thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. But he didn't obey God all the way. All right, move with me to the seventeenth chapter of the book of Genesis. <clears throat> Again, reading from verse 1. And when Abram was nine years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect, and I will make my covenant between me and thee, and will multiply thee exceedingly. Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, as for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham, for a father of many nations have I made thee. And I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. And I'll establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed after thee in their generations, for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And one more <clears throat> reading from the 11th chapter of the book of Romans. beginning with the 25th verse. Romans chapter 11, beginning with verse 25. For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. So all Israel shall be saved as it is written, there shall come out of Zion the Deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sins. Amen. By way of announcement, tomorrow night, our subject will be the times of the Gentiles from beginning to ending. This is a very exciting subject. We urge you all to... Make an effort to invite someone or someones to come with you to the service. Amen. This is a subject that is related to the Gentile people, that is you and I, and uh, it is a very exciting subject. We want to share with you a lot of things that are happening in the world in conjunction with Bible prophecy. Mother Godair, will you please ask the Lord to bless his word tonight? Our Lord God, we send humbly your presence right now. Thankful for the reading of the word and thank you for the man God has sent behind this who has come to break the bread of life and to feed our souls in the precious work of God. You said, I have meat to eat. You Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you for that word and the anointing that is up on this minute. And now anoint.
upon us to receive the word of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And let your power touch our hearts. And throw us into your Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank God. Thank God. About 412 years after the flood, God spoke to a man by the name of Abram who lived in the city of Ur, the land of Chaldees. His home life was overwhelmed with idolatry. His father, Terah, was an idol worshiper, and he was the high priest of his household. They had idols in the home, and I'm sure they had rituals and ceremonies relative to those idols, so that Abram was brought up in an atmosphere of idolatry. It is very possible that the religion that Terah was practicing in his home was adopted from that of the religion of Nimrod, the first apostate individual on the face of this earth, amen, and uh, <clears throat> it was a religion that became known as the Babylonian cult, which is still active in our world today and boasts of a membership of over 800 million people, amen. It has swept the world and it has reached every uh, corner of our world today. God called Abram. He summoned him out of that atmosphere and that environment. And he told him to leave his home, leave the city, leave his family. The word kindred relates to his family. And walk before him. Amen. And if, if he will do that, God will bless him. And from his seed, God will produce a great nation. Hallelujah. He will also become a blessing to the whole world. Amen. Well, at this time, Abram was 75 years old. He and his wife had no children whatsoever. Abram obeyed God in part, but not altogether. He left the city of Ur. He walked away from his home, but he took with him Terah, and he took with him Lot, his nephew. And because he did that, God ceased to communicate with this man. And for five years, he never heard from the Lord. Amen. And when he did hear from the Lord, it was only after his father, Terah, had passed away. You see, the name Terah, from the old Chaldean language, means delay. So that the purpose of God was actually delayed. Because Abram did not fully obey the Lord. But after delay got out of the way, then God resumed his conversation with Abram. Hallelujah. You know, there are a lot of times that God has a lot of things to tell us. But because there are things in our lives that serve as obstacles, God holds us. Until 
We get rid of those things. And then he comes down to talk to us. Amen. And he comes down to fulfill his promises in our midst. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So God took this conversation with Abraham. And he renewed again the agreement that he was trying to establish with this man. Now I want you to realize this, that Abram was not a Jew. He should never be considered as a Jew, because at this time there are no such race as a Jewish race. Abraham, racial-wise, was a Shemite. The word Shemite in the modern English is Semitic. And the reason he was a Shemite was because he was a descendant of one of the three sons of Noah by the name of Shem. So that racial-wise, he was a Shemite. Nationality-wise, he was a Chaldean because his father had taken established residence in the city of Ur, the capital of the land of Chaldea. And Abram was brought up in that Chaldean area. But he was not a Jew. Well, somebody who's probably uh, uh, versed in the Bible and reads quite a bit may come back with this uh, thought. Well, doesn't the Bible describe Abram as a Hebrew? Yes, it does mention that. But at the time that the word Hebrew, praise the Lord, was inserted in the scriptures, even then there was no such thing as a Hebrew race or a Jewish race. This word has been adopted many years after to relate to this race. But the word Hebrew meant one who crossed over. That means a cross over from one country into another country. And that's why Abram was known as a Hebrew. Because he crossed over, praise the Lord, from one land, one country, into another. And in the process of that conversation that God was having with Abram, he wanted to establish a covenant with this man. And the word covenant simply means a contract, an agreement. Amen. It was to be an unconditional agreement relative to the seed of Abraham. So he told Abram, I want you to get me some sacrificial animals, especially a kid of the lamb, not three years old, without blemish, without deformity. I want you to cut that kid of the lamb in half. Amen. And Abraham responded. He had a kid of the lamb. He cut that kid of the lamb in half. He allowed the blood of that lamb to spill on the ground. And he placed both halves opposite one another, allowing a path between them where the blood, praise the Lord, had been spilled and the ground had soaked that blood. And he sat there and he guarded that sacrifice until the evening hour. And in the evening hour, God placed a deep sleep upon this man. And he shrouded him with a mantle of blackness, of darkness. And while he was in this status, all of a sudden, the darkness that shrouded the person of Abram was pierced. 
and he saw a lambent flame that was accompanied by a smoking lantern and these two and closer and closer until they passed between the two halves of the kid of the lamb passing over that pathway of blood until they pass through. Amen. And when that happened, the darkness was lifted and Abram was awakened out of that sleep and God bowed himself with an agreement. Praise the Lord. It was a blood covenant. Now in my methods of sealing an agreement or a contract. They had uh, one method where two men came together and they wanted to seal an agreement, a contract, a covenant, and they would take the sandal of their right foot and they would exchange it one with the other. See, that sandal was an important part of the attire of the traveler in the desert. Amen. And by so doing, they bound that agreement together. Now in the event one of those two wanted to break that agreement, he had to bring that sandal back and give it back to its owner and receive his sandal back. And by so doing, they would break the agreement. Amen. Cancel it. A second method that was used was a song method. We have revived that method today and you read in the papers about the SALT agreement that we're supposed to be having with Soviet Russia. That's the biggest farce that I ever heard about. Amen. Two men came together. They wanted to find an agreement. Usually people that traveled in the desert in those days, they always carried a little leather satchel or pouch on their person that had salt in it. Amen. Because salt was used for medicinal purposes to uh, 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 stop infection. It was also used to preserve some of their foods. And it was used to savor their food. It was an important part, praise the Lord, of the traveling man. Now these two people cut together. They decided by mutual agreement to bind the covenant they would exchange a pinch of salt. Amen. And by so doing, they would bind that agreement. Now, in the event, one of them decided, had a change of mind, and came back and wanted to uh, 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 break that agreement, and dissolve it, the other fellow would tell him, all right, if he wanted to be uh, uh, obstinate about it, wanted to be hard about it, he would tell him, I want my pinch of salt. The same pinch of salt I gave you. Well, that's impossible to do. Amen. So they haggled together, haggled together, and finally, they would just exchange pinch of salt again. The agreement is broken. But God did not use any of these shallow methods. But he used the Lord to bind that agreement. And that agreement was twofold. 
it entailed a land and it entailed a seed. And when God left Abraham at this time, the man was 99 years old. His wife was 90 years old. Hallelujah. And they had no children. And here's God telling that man that this time next year, your wife is going to conceive and give birth to a son. And that was God's name, Isaac. Hallelujah. Sarah laughed. That's right. Well, I want to defend Sarah tonight. I have sat in congregation sometimes and heard preachers just condemn Sarah and say she was a woman that didn't have any faith at all and, and just, and just uh, uh, indict that woman and condemn her altogether. But I want to defend her tonight. Hallelujah. Because her laugh was not the result of skepticism altogether. It was not the result, hallelujah, of uh, uh, doubt altogether. True, there was an element of doubt involved there, but it was not altogether doubt. And perhaps the best way I could ever explain it to you tonight, and I have to talk, amen, in an extreme way, exaggerate, because we're talking about a miracle here now. Hallelujah. A woman 99 years old just doesn't give birth to a son. Amen. 40, 42, it's been known sometimes 47, but not 90 years old. Not a man 99 years old. Amen. So we're talking in the realm of the miracle. Hallelujah. Suppose somebody called me and said, Mr. Urshan, you have just won one million dollars. Now, my first reaction would be, oh, come on now, you're just playing a joke on me. Sure, it never happened to me. Don't expect it to happen. Amen. That would be my first reaction. Now, but listen, I would also feel some goosebumps going all over me. I'd feel a chill running up and down my spine. And in the back of my head, I get a nagging thought. You know, maybe I did win a million dollars. You see? So that my reaction would be doomed in this case. True, I would have some doubt about whether I won a million dollars, but I would also feel a certain thrill that perhaps I did win a million dollars after all. It will be a mixed emotion, don't you see? So that when Sarah left, it was not altogether a reaction to doubt, but it was a reaction, praise the Lord, to make fear. Because the Bible tells us that the name I means laughter. And it wasn't a laughter of skepticism, but in this case, it's a laughter of joy. Because the boy brought joy to that home. Hallelujah. And true enough, as the history of the Jew progresses on, the following year Sarah did conceive, and she did give birth to a son. They call his name Isaac. The boy grew up. In time, praise the Lord, he married Rebekah, and from the union of these two came forth two children, Jacob and Esau. 
Amen. As far as Esau is concerned, hallelujah, he is a dim character in the scriptures because he sold his birthright. So we're going to deal with Jacob and the seed of Jacob from here on. Hallelujah. Jacob in time married Leah. Amen. And then he married Rachel. And it took him 14 years to marry these two women. He courted one and he married another. Amen. But he didn't give up on the first one. He kept on courting till he married the one he really wanted to marry in the first place. And from the union to Leah and Rachel, he had 12 children. Amen. And from these 12 children, came the race, hallelujah, that we know today as a Jewish race. 12 tribes that made up the nation, hallelujah, of Israel. History continues on, and I'm going to touch on the highlights of the past, hallelujah, just to acquaint you with the history of the Jew, amen. The time came when as a result of the favor that Joseph found in the eyes of the Pharaoh of Egypt, he was able to bring his family to the land of Egypt, and the Pharaoh gave him the land of Goshen, hallelujah, to live on. But God put to Abraham was I will make a nation of legacy that will be blessed. So the family had no power, amen. Nobody had any power to stop the growth and the increase, hallelujah, and the population explosion of the Jewish race. Before you know it, they became a threat to the land of Egypt. Hallelujah. And the Pharaoh that succeeded the good the one that favored Joseph was a mean one. And he just saw something there that was a threat to Egypt. Hallelujah. And he placed the Jewish people, amen, on the taskmasters, restricted their freedom in the land of Egypt, and established a decree there that every male child born in a Jewish home would be put to death. And for 400 years, the Jewish people suffered in Egypt until the groanings, hallelujah, spiraled over to the throne of God. And God heard the groanings of his people and he sent Moses, hallelujah, to challenge Pharaoh and to make a story short, hallelujah, Israel now is on its way out of Egypt in a tremendous exodus Praise God that has a, 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 a left, a, 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 a mark on the history of our world. Amen. They left Egypt and they took with them the gold and the silver and the fine raiment of Egypt. They actually stripped that country of its wealth. They're in the habit of doing that, you know. Any country there are. And they, they, they have a habit of stripping it of its wealth. Our gold and silver is disappearing so rapidly. And they've got it. That's right. And when they leave this country and mass to Israel, they're going to take it with them. So friend, you better spend your money right now and enjoy it. Because not too long from now the Jews are going to 
leave America and go to Israel. And when they do, they're going to strip this country of all of its wealth and take it back there. That's Bible prophecy. Amen. They put the Red Sea drunk down. They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. sandals he had on when he left Egypt. That's right. That's what the Bible says, doesn't it? Amen. God was going to fulfill that which he bought himself with. A covenant, hallelujah, by blood. Amen. The first part of that covenant, God fulfilled because a seed was born. And the nation was born. And now God took them out of Egypt, had them in the wilderness for 40 years, and brought them to the land of Post, bordering on the land of Canaan, the land that he promised them would be theirs for their possession. It was to be their homeland. Hallelujah. And when they came to Kadesh Barnea, God instructed the leadership, he said, let the people choose a man from every tribe, a man of valor, a man of reputation, a man who had proved himself. And I want every tribe represented. And I want these 12 men that will represent the 12 tribes to go to the land of Canaan and spy out the land. Hallelujah. And so they went. They went into the land of Canaan and they wandered around scouting the land and they Saw the fruitage in that country, the beautiful streams of water, crystal clear. The soil was so rich, hallelujah, and so fertile, amen. And they brought back with them samples of the fruitage. They brought pomegranates. And they brought figs. And they brought grapes with them. Amen. Figs the size of oranges. A cluster of grapes so big that two men had to tie it on a... Uh, a rod and carry it between them. Amen. And they had a fruit in Israel in certain places, if you know where to go. And I was born there. I lived there 19 years. Hallelujah. And I'm a fruit fiend, I guess. I just love to eat fruit. Amen. We have seven different kinds of oranges over there. Many of our oranges are the size of grapefruits. We had a fig tree in the front yard early in the morning. The fig tree gives two harvests in the course of the year. The early harvest, praise the Lord, and the late harvest. 
and the fig grows under the leaf. And the fig tree is a very strange tree. It's a little contrary to normal fruit trees. It does not put out its leaves first, but it puts out its fruit first. And when the fruit is harvested, then the fig tree, praise the Lord, will put forth its green leaves. Amen. And you have to feel under the fig tree those coarse, big coarse leaves of that fig tree to find the fig. Early in the morning we'd get up and pick one fig, just one fig, luscious, and eat it. Amen. Bless your heart. The juices just run down the sides of our lips. Hallelujah. Mmm. And after we got through eating that fig, we were ready for a big breakfast. It was an appetizer. Amen. I've seen watermelons growing in Jericho. That a horse or a mule could only carry two at a time. And they had to be equally balanced. Hallelujah. I'm not from Texas now. Amen. I go down to Long Island in Houston preaching there in the church for the Kilgore. And I was talking about the oranges of uh, Israel. Somebody the next day brought me a postcard, and, and on this postcard was a semi truck. And it had two oranges on it, on the back of it. <laughs> Those are Texas oranges. <laughs> well, I wasn't going to let him get by with that, so I got to talking about watermelons and. The night after that, he brought me another postcard. I dare say they've got some instant postcards there. And there was a semi-truck on that postcard and one watermelon on it. With a Texas watermelon. Well, I still wasn't going to let him get by. So I was saying about cucumbers. I said, we've got cucumbers that grow in Palestine and Israel. Sometimes they grow as long as 32 inches. And I waited for him the following night, but he never came. <laughs> Amen. In the year 1973, I took a group to Israel and had Brother Thompson, uh, former district superintendent of the Ohio district, and uh, with me. And uh, we went to the plain of Eskel, right where those spies picked that cluster of grapes. And uh, most of those uh, vineyard owners are friends of ours. And so I uh, went wandering into the vineyard and looking around and stopped the bus right on the side of a road and took Brother Thompson with me. I said, let's go look for a cluster of grapes. We're going to find a big one, amen, and bring it back. We'll tie it on a rod just like the two spies did and haul it back to the bus. He was skeptic and I didn't believe that I could find a cluster of grapes that big. Now we didn't, we went looking around under those vines, and those vines just lay right on the soil. And they protect the, the grapes from the birds that pick on them uh, during harvest time. And we went uh, 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 looking around, and finally I found a cluster big enough. Amen. And uh, we got a stick, and we tied that cluster of grapes on that stick, and he got one end of the stick, and I got the other, and we carried that thing all the way to the bus. And believe it or not, folks, it took 37 people on that bus to finish that one cluster of grapes. Amen. 
and the land was richer then than it is now. Because the Bible said it was flowing with milk and honey. Hallelujah. And they said, look at the fruit that we have found. Hallelujah. The land is showing rich. Cities that are already built. Hallelujah. They already cultivated and planted and bearing fruit. Praise God. Everything is just ready for us. Hallelujah. They got everybody so excited. That they said, when we went forward, let's go for that And then came the wet blankets, the deadbeats, the faithless, amen, the doubters, the skeptics, ten of them in number. Oh, no, no. True, the land is rich and it has all the potential, a wonderful hope it'll make for us, and what have you. Hallelujah. But listen, we got a lot of strange thoughts in there that we saw. can dig a lot of ice in his life. Amen. But that's not it. And we saw some that were giants and we felt like grasshoppers in their sight. Hallelujah. Oh, children, you look at your problems in this life and consider the difficulties that you made up in this life and they are gigantic. But battles. He was going to fight their battles for them. 
Two of those spies, Caleb and Jezreel, played with the people. They didn't see giants. They saw God in this whole thing. Hallelujah. God has made these people like bread in the hand. We eat them up. That's what he was saying. Man, you just go in and claim that land and we'll all eat those giants up. Don't say that. Hallelujah. But you know, the majority seemingly always wins. And most of the time, the majority is not right. Amen. But the majority won in this case. And as a result of their rejection to possess the land, the wrath of God was kindled against the <laughs> Hallelujah, of the presence of God, the glory of God, 
get the Jewish people, amen, to the field that Paul is in the midst now. They want to, hallelujah, return and seek the Lord their God. They haven't done that yet as a nation. So that you see, their faith and their restoration came about as a result of their own effort. And God was not the instigator of the faith of Israel. And as a result of that, Oh, 
The only reason he hasn't exposed himself because he can't. The spirit of God is still here. The church is still here. As long as the church is still here, he can't take over. Hallelujah. But as soon as the church is lifted up, praise the Lord, he will take over then. And woe unto you if you're left behind. Because Friday night, I'm going to preach on the Antichrist and his mark of identification. You'll find out just how far our prophecy has progressed. Amen. In just a few more minutes, what is the future of the Jew? The future of the Jew in his first stage is going to be very difficult.
first king that we know of was Melchizedek. In the Aramaic language, Melchizedek, that's the name, which means king of righteousness. Now I want you to put the two together. King and king of righteousness. Huh? Oh, Salem was destroyed and ruined. Amen. And the course of history, hallelujah,